Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. I'm so grateful that you're here. And we are going to be talking a little bit today about the Disney method. And the Disney method can be very, very powerful, very helpful when we are creating a new idea and we're wanting to step in more and more into that power and ability that you do have to be creative, but then you have these internal naysayers. So we want to address these naysayers head on, but also give them a voice. Okay, so the Disney method, and I had the opportunity to meet with Susan Weber yesterday. She is in our Healers Helping Healers group, which, by the way, you want to go to facebook.com slash groups slash Healers Help to become a part of our group. We do free things. As a matter of fact, we're going to be doing a free ice cream social, uh, ice cream Sunday bar, and networking on October 1st up here in North Phoenix And uh, there's pool table and shuffleboard table and pool and all that kind of stuff. Uh, So if you are a member of our group, please know that that is going to be happening on October 1st from 2 to 4. So I wanted to let you know about that. It's going to be at the clubhouse. Really cool. Going to be a lot of fun. So what I like to do is I like to use this time for this to be a master's workshop. So a master's workshop, in my mind, is that we take the information from masters that have come before us. And I believe that if we really were to look at it, obviously Walt Disney would definitely be one of those masters. And I think that as you are developing and growing your practice as a healer, or if you are wanting to make some of these creative dreams that you have real, it's really important that we do implement the three faculties that we do have within us. And I really love this method. I actually have a worksheet on this method. It's, it's a really, really interesting thing. So Walt Disney decided that we had three elements in us. And those three elements are the dreamer, the realist, and the critic. And there was a movie that came out not too long ago. I think it was uh, Tomorrowland. And you could kind of see some of these uh, elements uh, in there, too, and, and how interesting it is. But one of the main themes was finding the dreamers. In the world, and I thought that that was really fascinating and interesting. So, when we are stepping into these particular elements, we think like these personalities would. Yes? So, what's fun about this is when you are in the dreamer place, you're saying to yourself, why not? You know, why not? Why can't that happen? That can happen. Anything is possible. It's always happening. You know, think about this, okay? Think about Star Trek. Long time ago, the original one, when they first had the flip phones, (laughs) right? Uh, When they were, or even Next Generation, where they were working on, on tablets, right? And I really loved the first laptop, (laughs) that Picard had on his desk. I thought that was great. You know, or being able to uh, have people's images on a wall and you're talking to them. 
and being able to connect over large, long distances. And how interesting it was that when all of these things came to pass, you know, it first had to be imagined. It first had to be dreamed up. Because what the mind can conceive, the mind can achieve, right? So when we're considering the possibilities, right? Somebody considered the possibility of flying to the moon. How bizarre is that idea, right? And we think about all different types of things as well. How fascinating all of this really and truly is. How it came from the imagination of a few And then it turned in to where we accepted it as mass consciousness, did we not? Where we were able to really, totally, and fully embrace it. And it became a part of our daily experience or weekly experience. We would tune into these shows or programs or or whatever it might be, or, or even the Disney films. And, I mean, thinking about how... A lot of the animation was created when there was no way that that type of animation could be created. Brad Bird even talks about how, uh, when he was doing The Incredibles, how he would go to somebody and somebody would say to him, "Uh, that's impossible. And Brad would go, no, it's not. Do it. (laughs) Do it and show it to me by the end of the day. Like, there was never any, like, yeah, (laughs) I don't think that there was much of a conversation uh, with him to say, I can't do it. I don't. Th- I think that you know, if you were on on Brad Bird's team, you pretty much had to say, Yes, sir. We'll figure it out. And what's cool about the realist when we go from the dreamer to the realist, I do want to play in each one of these a little bit more. But when we, I want to give you an overview. But when we play in the realist, the realist is more uh, grounded. You know, their motto would be how. How is this going to happen? You know, what do we need to do? How can we examine all of these big dreamer ideas and formulate them in a way that will help us to create something new? How can we do it? So when we're in the realist, we're working through a process. We're working through something, or we're taking something through a process. But here's the deal. If the process is outdated, then it needs to go back to the dreamer, you know, for a minute, and then go, okay, we need to rework the process a little bit, right? Because when we want something, we think something is really kind of cool and fascinating and sci-fi and weird and, you know, or we want to have anything. It doesn't have to be It really doesn't have to be uh, far-fetched or anything like that. It can also just be a day-to-day experience that we pass through the process of uh, the Disney method, right? So when we look at the realist, we are looking at the structure of how it's all going to work. Then we look at the critic. So the critic is very fascinating because the critic... (laughs) oh my goodness the critic tells you where all the wheels are going to fall off you know and there is a good way to employ the critic and there is a poor way to employ the critic right so one way is the critic's mindset 
where it will just negate everything. Oh, that's not possible. You can't do that. You Look at what you've done so far. You can't do that and do this. You know, there's not enough money. There's not enough time. You, this, this is a really, you can't do this or that. Why are you even thinking about that? That's not, a, that's not something you can do. Cut that out, right? It's, it's the naysayer inside of our mind, yes? So we have that part in our mind, in our brain, that just tries to tear us apart. But don't we have people like that in our lives? And we have people like that in our lives. They mirror our own fears, for sure. And once we release those fears, either those people just give up because they're like, well, apparently they're going to do whatever they want to do anyway, or our mind gives up, you know, and it's like, apparently she's going to do what she wants to do anyway. (laughs) You know, it's no talking to her. (laughs) And then they can be negative with somebody else in another way. (laughs) And it has nothing to do with you, which is actually, you know, kind of fun. So... When we're hearing the critic in our lives, there's a constructive critic and there's a destructive critic, isn't there? So our constructive critic, let's do the, let's do the easy one first to, to rule out, the destructive critic. So a destructive critic is going to be one that is, oh gosh, it's, it's making you feel bad. So anytime you you hear this person um, or you hear your own mind, it tells you where you're going to fall short, where you're going to do something wrong, where something bad is going to happen. When we have that critic in our mind and we have that destructive critic in our mind, it can stop us. It'll stop us dead in our tracks. Why is that? Why is it when you tell your mother, father, brother, sister, cousin, uncle, whatever, Hey, I'm going to start a healing practice, and I'm going to be awesome. And then, then they come to you and they say, "Bada bada bada ba." You can't do that. You don't have enough money. Why do you think you can help people? You're all fucked up anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you know, you how can you possibly do it? You know, you can't possibly do this. And so, when we think about that. We want to make sure that we are getting into uh, balance. But the reason why it's even happening is because our conscious mind needs us. It needs us to go ahead and stay safe. And so all of these people coming into your life that are trying to help you, and I put air quotes on there, help you by making sure you know all of the dangers of what's happening, they are just trying to protect you, really. They don't want to see you fall on your face. And by the way, these are the people that watched you stick M&Ms up your nose, okay? So a lot of them just kind of see you as a as a four-year-old, and they don't really, they don't remember that you actually grew up. And there are parts of you when you're around them that realize that you haven't grown up and those parts will stick M&Ms up your nose, you know, as a, you know, 30-year-old. So <laughs> around those people. So we kind of <laughs> we kind of have these different experiences where we are uh, uh, pulling in other people's 
other people's ideas, other people's critics. Now, would they like it if it was done for them? No, they wouldn't. No, they would not. They wouldn't like it. Would they listen to it? Maybe, which might be why they're not living their dreams. They're not stepping into their dreamer. And none of that is up to you. So the main important and most important thing here is that you no longer listen to a destructive critic. You can tell the difference because it feels bad. Okay, so we're going to rule out the destructive critic. Now, we're going to look at the constructive critic, but I'm going to go back through it again. So let's, let's just give you an overview of the constructive critic. The constructive critic is one that will help you to find out where the wheels will fall off. It will also help you to see what you must continue doing in order to be a failure, okay, what has to happen in order for this whole thing to fail, and if you're doing those things, what has to happen to keep that process in place? I'll give you an example. Let's say I'm depressed, okay, and every morning I wake up with the idea that I am unhappy. Now, I wasn't necessarily unhappy before I became conscious and awake, but I don't know about that because I was asleep. So every morning I tell myself, hey, here's another day. Here's another day that's going to suck. Look at the day. It's going to be sucky, right? And, all right, so I would note that. There's one place where if I keep telling myself that it's going to be a sucky day, that it's probably going to be a sucky day. So I could stay with that idea, right? The next one would be, let's say I eat unhealthy food for breakfast. Maybe I eat donuts and coffee and I, you know, and I just, and I feel groggy after I eat. Okay, so that's probably another way. Maybe I go to a job that I hate. Maybe I come home and none of the things that I ask my family to do are done. And I have to do them all myself. What if maybe I am, uh, I just binge watch negative television. By the way, negative television is anything that feels like it drops your energy after you've watched it. Where you feel groggy, you feel like uninspired, you feel sluggish. That is probably not. Or you feel overly angry, agitated, irritated, uh, anxious. Uh, That is not good programming either. Can a perceived negative television show be a good show for you? Sure. Yeah, I don't know what you need. So in order for me to stay depressed, these are the things that have to happen. I have to wake up and tell myself that it's going to be a bad day. I have to... Also, go ahead and tell myself, uh, eat bad food. I'm going to also have to go to somewhere that I hate. I'm going to have to come home and hate that I have to do the chores that I have to do. And then I'm, you know, going to go to bed in that same foul mood, maybe watching some yucky television and falling asleep with that energy in my mind. Okay, there we go. The critic has now officially told you what could potentially be keeping you in a bad place. Why is this really cool for healers? I I would love for you to tell me why this is really cool for healers, but I'm going to tell you why 
and then we'll go from there. This is really cool for healers because you can do this exercise with people. They will think you're reading their mind, which is fun. And then they will also go, oh, I have to take responsibility for this. Remember, as healers, sometimes we come in and become healers and we are wounded healers. Are we not? And so we'll need people to bring up our stuff. So we're now we're helping people to the best of our ability, and we are being helpful. Just because we're wounded healers from time to time does not mean that we're not helpful. We absolutely are. All right, and just because we're not working on our own stuff, I go see a coach as much as I can, okay? So, and it's important for my health and happiness and safety and for me doing a good job with my clients. Okay, so why is it good? Because then you can show them how to take responsibility for the things that they're doing. So if, if, if they want to change their life, you have the answer. You see, I just gave you the answer to change someone's life right now, today. If they reversed all of that, their life would more than likely be happier than what it is now. Right? So there you go. You have an entire healing practice all at your disposal <laughs> right there in front of you. Okay, so the next piece is we want to go through it and actually run through a process, okay, that you could do with your clients. So let's say there is something that your client wants, whatever it is. Let's say it's something you want. So let's say, let's, let's make it, let's, let's do one that would apply to healers because that's what you are. And let's make it be very kind of simple, right? (laughs) So let's do the dreamer. So the dreamer is going to be, let's say, you want 50 clients a month. That's not a dreamer, really. I mean, that's not a huge dream. If you want, you could do 200 clients a month. I think that's back-to-back and you would burn out, but... That's just me, because I did. I got my 200 clients a month, and I burned out. So um, I would say maybe, if it's not a number of clients, it can be a dollar amount. You know, uh, it could be a fancy trip. It could be anything like that. So let's do, let's do a dollar amount because I think those are fun. Let's do a dreamer. Let's do twenty thousand a month. Nice round number. Let's do 20000 a month. By the way, it's very doable. And um, let's think about what all you'll do with that. So take trips, buy a beautiful home, do things with friends, go on adventures, whatever. Whatever it might be. Okay, so we want to get into a good feeling about it. So it's just dreaming, It's just dreaming of all the potentials, of all the possibilities, of how that money will come to you. Maybe it's not going to come to you through seeing clients. Maybe it'll come to you through another way uh, that is even easier and more fun. You know, and I know seeing clients is fun. And I would say, you know, maybe other avenues. Maybe you're an artist and you can sell beautiful pieces of artwork. Or maybe you do multiple things that brings in money. Or maybe you like to teach classes, or maybe you would like to be standing in front of those thousands of people or 
speaking or whatever it is, whatever lights you up inside where you would love to have that, whatever it is, that 20000 a month or all those clients or that kind of thing. And then we want to go to the realist. So the realist says, how? How are we going to do that? Okay, this is one thing that I use. This tool is really powerful. This tool is... Uh, the 100 or the 88, if you go into the artist way, it's the 88. I think it's the, I think it's the artist way. It's either the artist way or Excuse Me, Your Life is Waiting by Lynn Grabhorn, her playbook. So the artist way <clears throat> or playbook, whatever, this exercise helps you to get out of your own conditioned thinking about how things can happen. And you almost become very, you get into a discovery period with possibilities. So $20,000, you can say, I, how I will make $20,000 a month. Okay? And then you write action items, 100 of them, or 88 of them, or however many you want to do. But more than... 80, <laughs> right? Because we need to get out of that old pattern. Because usually we can think about five ways of doing things. Seriously, think about it. You know, think about, mm, let's see, think about how you could get from point A to point B. Let's say, how do you get from your house to the mailbox? Well, I could walk there, I could run there, I could jump there. I could drive there. I could, I don't know, what. that's it. <laughs> All right, so now we take into consideration and we add a little bit of our dreamer into the realist. I could pogo stick there. I could parachute there. I could fly a kite there. I could, uh, I could um, skip there. I could um, roller skate there. I could um, bicycle there. You know what I mean? So you see we get out of the confines of whatever thing we've got going on and then we're able to adjust our sales a bit maybe that should be a title I'll adjust my sales for my sale and when we experience that new opening up we create new neural pathways well, when we create new possibilities in our consciousness what the mind can conceive the mind can achieve So when you are sitting there in your home and you don't know what to do next to make that $20,000 per month, then all you would have to do really is go to your list. And what item on your list can you do right now to help you achieve that goal? So that's a very realistic approach because then now I have... A lots, a lots and lots of ideas. Some ideas will be great. Some ideas won't work. And that's the part of the dreamer, right? Is that there's going to be lots of ideas that won't work. But there are a few that are going to be off the charts amazing. And I know that right now I am talking to somebody who has a creative idea in them. And you are sitting there listening to me going, I don't know. But I think that this thing is possible. So now let's get a little bit grounded on it and find out how. How do you want it to all play out? 
What structure can we put underneath it to help make it a reality? So now as we take our time and we allow in for these possibilities, then we pull it all into the critic. Not the destructive critic, but the constructive critic. The destructive critic will say, ah, you're just too lazy. You're not going to be able to do it. You too, meh, right? Well, instead of, instead of that being what we focus on, instead we focus on the constructive critic. The constructive critic will now take all of these beautiful ideas and tell you where all of the wheels could fall off. Or, even better, in order for you to accomplish all of this, whatever you're doing right now, so let's say, so if you're not making $20,000 a month, I want you to look at what you're doing right now. Are you afraid to go out there and talk to people about your business? Are you afraid to go online and learn about technology? Are you afraid to learn about systems to help you to grow? Are you afraid to implement those systems so that you can sell better? What is it that you're doing right now that is causing you to not have that life that you're wanting? Do you wake up in the morning and, you know, go, oh, I don't know, maybe another day we'll probably have to just blah, 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 blah. Or are you waking up, hey, you know what? I don't know what this day is all about. I'm excited to learn about it, though. And I don't know what's going to happen, but it might be pretty cool. And I like the idea of things being pretty cool because they're fun. And I don't know anything. So I'm just going to allow myself to embrace the day in the best way possible. I'm going to allow myself to trust the possibilities that are coming, right? Or you can notice that you are a business owner who never gets on the computer who never does anything that puts you into the direction of what you're wanting, who tries to wait for people to come to you even though nobody knows who you are, and you're letting God figure it out for you. I love the idea of letting God figure things out for me, but I know that I cannot sit and wait for the world to come to me. It's not going to come to me in my own timing. (laughs) I know that. And I know about self-will, and I know about God's will, and I know about divine timing. But I also know about being proactive. Because when we are proactive, it can be fun. It can be really fun. You know, it can be really fun to just enjoy people and enjoy life and enjoy the experiences of putting ourselves out there. And I am an introvert. I'm an outgoing introvert, but I'm an introvert. And so going out into the world amongst my peers is not easy for me, but I force myself to do it. Not because I have some kind of death wish, you know, but because but because I want a life that is powerful, impactful, easy, fun, creative. I want the kind of life that other people will look at and go, God, how does she do it? You know, and I think that a lot of my life has been that way because I've been willing to do the things that not a lot of people have been willing to do. I've been willing to put myself out there in ways that are scary. So when we're looking at our constructive critic, our constructive critic might be like, okay, homie, you want these things, and these are all this here, But you never look at that hundred list and you never go out and try anything new and you 
just sit at home and instead of going where you need to go or, or looking at the things that you need to look at or getting educated on the things you need to be educated on, you keep looking at cat videos. Cut it out. You know, this is where the wheels fall off. If you're not where you want to be, you have to look at what you're doing and change it. And so that is that constructive critic that can truly help you to break out of the processes that you already have in place. And I believe in you. And I know that you're going to make this happen. So that was one example. You take your clients through this process. You ask them to dream it up and get really fun and fluid and crazy with it and all these crazy ideas and do all this fun stuff. You bring your realist in and you have them just kind of pull in the structure and the bottom line and how things can pull together. And then you bring the critic in and you allow that constructive critic to pull back through all of these ideas and go, oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. Let's do this thing. This thing, this thing, as I pass it through the dream of the realist and the critic, all of them almost harmonize. And then we get into this place of, oh, okay, I don't hear, I don't hear much from the critic. The realist feels like the structure is there. The dreamer feels satisfied. And you do get into those places, you know. You really, 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 really do. You get into those places where you are able to experience the harmony of all parts of your consciousness. And when you get into that place, whoo, you, baby, are unstoppable. You are unstoppable because your critic calms down, your realist feels it's being useful, and then your dreamer is free to dream more because it's no longer being shut down by the destructive critic before it even gets a thought out of its head. It's like, it's like duct taping a child's mouth and, put, and tying their hands behind them and making them, you know, seem like they're having a good time and yelling at them for not having a good time you know so you got to think about that it's a very very uncomfortable image actually um but if we think about it in those terms we got to let that dreamer loose we've got to let that child loose and it's got to have a voice or it will turn on us because right if you try to shut your child down do they not turn on you whether they turn on you at 16 or they turn on you at 32 or whatever or 65, you know, whatever, that child will turn it. And if it doesn't turn on you, it's going to turn on itself and eat itself alive. Okay? So as we're going through these processes, and the realist baby, the realist needs that structure. They need it. They need to feel good about the balance and conformity and, and that kind of thing. It's really powerful, very important. And then the critic needs to be heard because otherwise that's anger turns inward, which is depression. So all parts of you need to have a voice. And if it doesn't, you, you have a problem. So when you're working with your clients on this particular process, you will change their life. I promise you. It, I have done this so many times. And this is an NLP technique. 
So, and we're going to be talking more about that in the future, which I think is going to be really, really, really fun. And I'm going to be putting up some programs and different things like that and helping to educate and certify all this kind of stuff. We are, I'm going to be collaborating with Susan Weber, I think, and uh, we are going to be doing some fun stuff. So thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate you spending your time with me this morning. I hope this Dizzy Method helps you to get even deeper results with your clients. I am so grateful. Thank you so much. I hope that you have a fantastic, beautiful, amazing, and precious, awe-inspiring day.